Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 15 and Proverbs 22. Praise God. While you're turning there, Proverbs 15:33. just uh, on behalf of the Kylie and Stepanovich families, thank you so much for your great kindness and generosity and hugs and cards and gifts and wonderful meals. Wife hasn't had to cook for a little while. She's appreciated that. Isn't it great to have a family? We've got a great God and a great family and, a, and we appreciate so much all you've done for the passing of uh, my mother this past week. Can't say enough how much we love you. Proverbs 15:33: the fear of the Lord is instruction of wisdom and before, before honor is humility. And Proverbs 22 and four, by humility, And the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. It all starts with humility. And this morning I want to preach this message. I've been waiting for weeks to preach this. Seems that something's come up at the last minute, but this morning I get to preach it. Don't underestimate the power of humility. Don't underestimate the power of humility. God bless you, you may be seated. I wanna talk to you about one of the finest examples of humility that I can find in the scriptures other than Jesus himself. That disciple I've chosen today is the disciple John. The man was so humble that most of the time he never even used his name, most of the time, in his writings. He simply referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He wrote at least five of the 27 books of the New Testament. One gospel, three epistles, and the book of Revelation. He left his father to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter four, verse 21 says, and going on from thence, He saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them and immediately left the ship and their father and they followed him. Left his father at a moment's notice when Jesus called him. You will find later on in the scripture that his mother was a convert to Jesus. We don't find any more about Zebedee. But when the decision to be made to follow Jesus forced his hand, he left his occupation and he left his family to follow Jesus. He had an understanding of who Jesus is and was. And I want you to know something about this revelation as to who Jesus is. Some people say it's a bunch of semantics. I do not believe that. 
I believe it is the foundation of our faith to know who Jesus is and the power that resides in him and his name. Everything is built on that, folks. And if you don't have that, you become powerless and you drift. So take a look here at at some of the revelation that John had. I know about the revelation of Peter. I know you do too. But flesh and blood cannot give you this revelation. It didn't give it to Peter and it can't give it to you. But you need to ask and you need to seek as to who Jesus is. Let me give you a little inclination through John's eyes. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Notice the pronouns here are singular and not plural. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Aren't you glad to know who Jesus is today? And verse 12 of the same chapter says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Aren't you glad to be believing on his name today? Now it's important to know who Jesus is and how important his name is in our lives. Now let me share this with you. The power that resides in the name of Jesus is enough to tackle every demon from hell. Every demon from hell. Let me give you a few examples of this. This disciple, John, had a revelation and and in that revelation, he received power. Mark chapter one, let's take a look at what Mark has to say about demons. Mark 1 and 23, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, this is what the spirit said, let us alone, what do we have to do with thee, thou son of Jesus, son of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, the holy one of God. See, even the demons know who Jesus is. The scripture said, thou believest in one God, How many one God believers do we have here today? Thou believest in one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and they tremble. So the devils knew who Jesus was and Jesus rebuked him saying, hold your peace, come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had come torn him, he cried with a loud voice and he came out of him. Why? Because demons recognize power. There was no resistance. The demons recognized his authority and they recognized his power and when he told them to hold their peace, they had no choice but to hold their peace. They knew of the power of Jesus. Mark, take a look at another example, Mark chapter five and verse two. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met a man 
a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, we are many. He besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Verse 11, there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. The unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and they were choked in the sea. Let me make sure you understand what's happening here. These demonic spirits recognize who Jesus is because of his power and his authority, and they have to get permission to do anything. Couple of things to consider here though. If there were 2,000 pigs that drowned in a sea and only one spirit could drown a pig, or lead that pig into a sea, 2,000 demons can't destroy one man. The only power Satan has is the power that we give him. You say, man, that, that guy's demon possessed. Well, that happens sometimes. We, we had a manifestation of that not long ago. But look at the great authority that God had in that service and the power in the name of Jesus. Nobody had to lay a hand on the person. They were on the floor just at the command and the authority of the name of Jesus. That's how great and powerful our God is. Great and powerful. So the 2,000 demons had to ask permission to be put into pigs, which is where they belong, not in humans. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that demons recognize a demonstration of power, and when they recognize that, they offer no resistance. There was no struggle, there was no debating, because they knew of the power. Now, take a look in Matthew chapter four. We're gonna talk about the tempter coming to Jesus. This is the 40 days of prayer and of fasting that Jesus went into. And afterward it says, when the tempter came to him in verse three, he said, if Thou be the Son of God, or the flesh of God, command that these stones be made bread. What is he doing here? He's questioning who Jesus is, and he's looking for a demonstration of power. This indicates to me at this time, he does not know who Jesus is. That's why he's asking questions, and he's saying, why don't you show off a little bit? Command that these stones be made bread. Show me your authority and show me your power. Then I'll be able to recognize you. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't give him a power demonstration. In the second temptation, he did the same thing. Verse six, he said, if you're the son of God, well then throw yourself down. And Satan can quote scripture too. 
For it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Give me a demonstration. Throw yourself off. The angels will catch you. Then I'll know who you are. But Jesus again refused to demonstrate his power to Satan. What are you doing, Jesus? I'm showing you the power of humility. I'm showing you the power of restraint. I could do what you ask me to do, but I'm not gonna give you a power demonstration. I'm gonna leave you in the dark. I'm gonna let you try and figure out who I am, but I'm not gonna do what you ask me to do. See, it's the exact opposite in the world. The world wants a demonstration. Pride is one of the largest problems that we have in our movement and in our own personal lives. Pride. We want to talk about what we've done, what we've accomplished, who we are, what our credentials are. It was the thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven in the first place. He said, I will be like the most high God. He wanted people and angels to worship him. There was no humility in him. He was full of pride. And he figured that God would be the same. But I want you to know that Satan was deceived because he underestimated the power of humility. Let me mention this before I read to you from 1 Corinthians. Do you remember the Beatitudes? Do you remember one that said, blessed are the meek? It said they shall inherit the earth. Do you remember the one about the peacemakers? Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. Do you see meekness and humility rather than pride and aggression? But we see it in Christ's life and it deceived the devil because he underestimated the power of humility. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter two. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know who he was messing with. They say in the world, you're messing with the wrong guy. He was messing with the wrong guy. He didn't know who he was. And if he'd have known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Here's the mistake that Satan made. Satan thought that he was like God. Therefore, God would have to be like him. Huge mistake, huge mistake. Satan thought he was like God, so God must be like him. You're wrong. Paul said, I know in my flesh dwells no good thing. 
That's why we have to repent daily. Every day, we have to bring our flesh into subjection. It's not just a one-time thing where we come to an altar and we boo-hoo and cry about all that we've done with our previous life and say, God, I'm so sorry, I, I don't wanna live this way anymore, I don't wanna do what I've done before, and, and I know you're merciful and you'll forgive me, and, and we go to the waters of baptism and we're baptized in Jesus' name, and, and God fills us with the Holy Ghost, and we're a different person, and, and all of the things that we once were are completely gone from us and we never, enter into temptation again. Folks, that's a fairy tale. We have to struggle with this flesh every day. We have to keep it under. We have to put it down. And the best way that you can do that is with humility. And your humility is your strength. Your humility causes Satan to run from you. Pride attracts him. Humility causes him to fear. He's not afraid of your size, your strength, your intelligence, your worth, even your knowledge of the scripture. But when you humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, when you confess your sin to God, when you make things right with people, he trembles and he's looking for a red exit sign because he's not about to make the same mistake again. He underestimated the power of humility in Jesus. He won't underestimate the power of humility in you. He won't. All of mankind has underestimated the power of humility. We have. We're turned off these days by pride. I don't know about you, but it turns me off when people are arrogant and brag about themselves. I remember one man said, I am the greatest of all time. I'm never gonna forget that. And you know what I'm talking about, and that's a turnoff. It's a turnoff. I remember another man said, practice, practice. I don't need any stinking practice. I'm already good. How many NBA titles did you win? I am Philly, he said. You are nothing. You are a glorified mud ball. God spit in the dirt and formed man out of the dust of the earth. We ain't, folks, I don't, we better be careful. Pride cometh before a fall. Let another man's lips praise you. Does any of this ring to you? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. Do not Confuse meekness with weakness. Don't underestimate the power of humility. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. A soft word turneth away wrath. So I just want them to know that I'm upset. I just am gonna get in their face and let them know that they're wrong and I'm right. 
You might win a battle, but you'll lose a war. You might win an argument, but you'll lose a friend. You'll divide family instead of uniting family. Jesus said, if a soldier comes to you and he says, carry my stuff for a mile, he said, carry it too. The Jews said to themselves, we didn't want to carry it at all. If a man asks for your coat, give him your cloak also. What is all this about? What what was he talking about? Humility. Humility. Putting others before yourself. The scripture said that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. And that one man was used of God to destroy an entire nation. One man. Why? Because of his meekness. Because of his humility. These are the things that tear down the enemy's kingdom. Love is stronger than hate. Humility. Humility is stronger than pride. I know you're thinking about this, so you don't, you don't even have to say amen. But I'm giving you nuggets here that will help you to be victorious in relationships and in your walk with God and cause you to be able to defeat the enemy. Do not underestimate the power of humility. Jesus came in humility. He was born in a barn. Doesn't get much more humble than that, does it? Born in a feeding trough. No fancy clothes. Yet he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He had no wealth, had no reputation. But I want you to know that one day the lamb will become a lion. And instead of riding a donkey into Jerusalem, he will ride in on a conquering white horse. He will go from a servant to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians chapter two and verse number five. Brother Brown talked about the mind today and the heart. Philippians two and five said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's a Christ-like mind, being in the form of God, He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. That's pretty humbling. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Do you see why Satan was confused? You see, when God 
and Satan made a deal in heaven. The deal was that only innocent blood could redeem a man or mankind. And Satan felt confident about accepting that deal because he knew that there was imperfection in every man. So there would never ever be any perfect sacrifice. But he never thought about the plan of God from the beginning, which was that one day God would take on the form of man. That God would come to a manger. That God would be the redeemer through human flesh. Why, he couldn't imagine that God would do such a thing. How could the creator of the universe die for the creation? That's beyond his mind. He couldn't understand the depth of humility. I mean, if you're God, everybody ought to be doing what you're telling them to do. And if you have all this power and all this authority that you talk about, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me in Matthew 28, then surely this is a plan that could never have been understood by the enemy because he underestimated how God could humble himself because he couldn't understand it in himself. He was the angel, the brightest angel in heaven. He was the music leader. He was the one that led the worship, but he wanted the worship. He wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to replace God. He thought that his attributes must also be the attributes of God. But God's ways are above our ways. And God's thoughts are above our thoughts. And God's love is deeper than even our love that we have for him. No matter how much you love God, you'll never be able to match the love of God in Christ Jesus. Never. And he humbled himself. He could have resisted, and that's what Satan expected. But he did not resist. And here's the result of humility. Verse nine. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Let me stop there. When that name is mentioned, everything changes. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You can be, you can be baptized 10 times, 10 different ways. But there's only one name only one name given among men and that name is Jesus and neither is there salvation in any other. He's the only one that can save you because there's power and there's authority in humility. See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it again because I wanna make sure that you've got it. The world 
wants a demonstration of power. And God wants a demonstration of humility. The world says, raise your voice, shake your fist, show us how tough you are. And God says, keep your silent rage in meekness. Show your strength by being able to keep your mouth shut until you can say the right thing with the right spirit. I've told you before that I haven't always come home in a, in a good mood and sometimes my wife will pick it up right away and send me to my room. <laughs> Don't come out until your attitude changes. And you know what? She's right. I just need to pray through. And until I do, the smartest thing I can do is keep my mouth shut. You know, you don't have to apologize nearly as much if you could learn to just... You know what I'm saying? But, but, if you make the mistake of saying what you shouldn't say, will you humble yourself? Isn't that what we just read? He humbled himself. He didn't have to have somebody else do it for him. He did it himself. I remember a time that I got on the wrong side of a situation and I'm gonna tell you about it um, because maybe it'll help you. I dearly loved my pastor, Pastor Tamil. Great, great man of God. I walked into a, a bear trap one time. I didn't see it coming. Maybe that's why God gave me grace. But there was an elderly couple in our church at the time and, and I respected them and they seemed spiritual to me and, and they kind of pulled my wife and I off to the side and we would get together one night a week and it was for Bible study. We were gonna study the Bible together. And it turned into pretty soon a time where we listened to tapes together. There was this great, great man of God. This guy could preach. I mean, I've never heard anybody preach like this guy before. And uh, his name was Mark Hanby. Mark Hanby could mesmerize people with his preaching. And this, this couple had their son go to this college that Brother Hanby had, and so they would get all the tapes from Brother Hanby's preaching, and it's, after a while, it was every week we were hearing Brother Hanby's latest message. I mean, he could preach. Now, Brother Tamil would tell you this, so I'm not telling on him. He said, I remember him saying it from his pulpit. He said, you know, I know I'm not a great preacher. I never asked God to make me a great preacher. I asked God to make me a great pastor. Well, God answered that prayer. Because he is a great, I don't know of a better. He was a great pastor. But he said, I, I never asked to be a great preacher. And so these people took advantage of that. And we were listening to these sermons, and then all of a sudden it came out, and they said, boy, wouldn't it be something if Brother Tamil could preach like Brother Hanby? 
because this is the greatest preaching on earth. And when they said that, I knew. I was in a trap. I wasn't where I belonged. Now we were going to conspire against Brother Tamil. And so my wife and I looked at each other when they said that and we left. And when we got in the car, we said, we'll never go back there again. But that wasn't enough. No, God spoke to both of us. And we went to Brother Tamil and we apologized. I remember it, I went to Brother Tamil and I said, Brother Tamil, I got involved in a group that was listening to tapes and there were some words mentioned against you and I'm sorry that I ever got involved in that group. My wife and I will never be going back there again. Is there any way you could forgive us for doing that? And he was so gracious. Hey, no problem. I think he knew about it all along. I think he knew that those people were conspiring against him. He might have even known who was at the group. But when I apologized and I asked him to forgive me and my wife, he was so gracious. No problem. Lesson learned. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Humility would take care of most all of the problems that we face in life. But pride won't let us. Because we're right and they're wrong and we're gonna let them know it. Wow, is it quiet in here now? We're gonna get in your face and we're gonna tell you what you've done wrong. Instead, we should practice what we've been taught. Nine words. Nine words. Said in sincerity with meekness and humility will disarm your foe and heal the situation. I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. It's over. I mean, how can you argue with that? What more do you want? That's all I have to give. And you don't wait. You don't wait for them to say, well, I am sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. You don't. They might not say it. You can only control you. You can't control anybody else. And if you apologized just so they would apologize, that was not an apology, that was a trade. But guess who's gonna be free? Guess who's gonna be happy? Guess who's gonna be able to worship? Guess who's gonna be able to pray? and not have to worry about that stuff anymore. The one that humbles themselves is the one that becomes free. 
And now God can say, since I've dealt with this party, I can deal with this party. And it might take a while, but there are some things that only God can do. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Let me conclude with this. If we will humble ourselves, then God will lift us up. I'm gonna conclude with this today because I've got some more, but I, I think I've already made my point and I don't wanna belabor it. If you would put up, um, Sister Kylie, if you would put up Micah 6 and 8, please. Let's stand together. Micah 6 and 8, my favorite verse in the Bible. He hath showed me, O man, what is good. How many of you want to know what the Lord requires of you today? Here it is. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. I don't want to. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And love mercy. How many here need mercy? I need it every day, every moment. Don't just love mercy for you. Show mercy to others. Mercy. And walk humbly with thy God. See, if you don't do justly, and if you don't love mercy, and if you won't walk humbly, you can't walk with God. And how can two walk together except they be agreed. Do not underestimate the power of humility. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Tomorrow night, Bible study. Brother Wilbur's going to teach on the gift of tongues and interpretation. What time is that, Brother Wilbur? Six o'clock here? That'll answer any questions about what just happened. But let me share this with you. One day a man brought a gift to an altar. 
He placed it on the altar and he knelt down to pray. And God convicted him. And he said, leave your gift at the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come back to the altar and offer your gift. Don't underestimate the power of humility. There may be some people here today. You might even be mad at God. God didn't do what you thought he should do. Or he hasn't done it in a timely manner. But before you offer your gift, be reconciled. You know what reconciliation is? Balancing things. We gotta reconcile the books. I've gotta be right with God and I've gotta be right with people. Jesus, I pray today that this altar will be a place of reconciliation and humility. That when people come to this altar today and bow and... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.